0: Welcome to this podcast, episode three, where we discuss everything masterful.
1: Here's the trailer.
0: I presume you summoned me? To a ruined castle on a desolate rock?
2: Hardly my style. From Big Finish Productions. You may have wondered why I called you here today. To a ruined castle carved from obsidian, decorated with black marble, black drapes, one senses a theme.
1: It's because one of you in this room is a murderer.
2: It's me! (laughs) Masterful. Ah, my dear master, master, master and master. This is a very great and may I say unexpected pleasure. We've never done this before. Got together, had a chinwag, swapped evil schemes. Yes, a knees up. And it's not just to cheer up, you sad sops. No, it's to gloat. Why? Lean in. Nope. Lean closer. I've won. The doctor is dead.
0: Well, I'm going to
2: fight back, and I won't ever give up. Look your master in the eye.
0: The thing is, someone,
3: naming no names,
0: but hint, hint, gloaty McGloatface over there, forgot to invite me. So, I am
2: gate crashing. You're a beautiful woman, improbably. I'm the master, and you will obey me. Your cute little frowny frowns. The Seven Dwarfs, schemey, 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 and crispy. That's you, barbecue. Look out there! Planet may not be much, but the sunsets to die for. All those stars, mine. All the planets spinning around them, mine too. All creation bows down and worships me. I am finally the master. The universe, the universe hangs in the, in the balance. Boom! Pure raging evil. I've come from another dimension. The stars are going out in my universe and the threat comes from this one. Miss Grant, listen, listen, listen. We're all the master. We're all the master!
1: (laughs) Big finish. We love
2: stories. My name is Kitty.
1: Pleased to meet you, Kitty.
2: I'm pausing, waiting to hear yours. It is, uh, uh,
1: I, I am generally referred to as the...
2: Yes? Would you believe Jeremy?
1: I I got this when it came out, and I had forgotten how much all the voices sounded really similar in it. And I, as soon as I realised that, I did jump on our chat that we have and say, I'm really sorry, this is going to be quite tough for people who don't know which master's which. And I'll say, as someone who has listened to an awful lot of these audios, I still didn't know 100% which master was which. I thought the Ward master and the Crispy master, as he is nicely referred to by Michelle Gomez, sounded really similar.
0: That was the thing I had found as well. Literally turned it on. and like, ah, it's cool. Derek Jacoby straight up from the the off. And then you quite quickly corrected me and said, no, that's actually the wrong one. Oh, okay. Oh, this is going to be a tough one. And then when he does come on into the room, like, he, he sounds just like that guy. Crispy and be well, No, it's fair. They are the same person. So, you know, fair enough. You know,
1: It did make it definitely a more challenging listen. I think once they moved into their own respective stories, it got a little easier. But even then, there were still moments. I should probably say as well, there will be spoilers when listening to this, just because the only way you can talk about it is to talk about some bits, but... I thought there were some really cool things in it. I did find, though, that especially in that first little bit, working out who was who was quite tough.
0: I quite enjoyed that, though, I have to say. like I'll know Jacoby, John Sims, Michelle Gomez, but trying to figure out which master is which and then kind of locking that in my head. Because like we're saying, uh, Derek Jacoby and Crispy Master sound quite similar. I also think the big Finish master also sounds quite similar. He's got a certain... A very regal way of speaking that the other two also share so as you say once they went off into their respective storylines it got a bit easier to figure out but that first meeting of the minds was a bit of a cluster
2: yeah I think it's different versions of the same character ultimately different levels of crazy or evil but I think that probably didn't help because it if you had lots of different characters, different you know types of people coming into it from, from, as different roles, they probably would all have different accents. They, they'd certainly be talking a different way. or They'd have you know a different viewpoint or whatever. But because they're all the same character with you know increasing amounts of craziness, I guess as you you go through the more modern masters, you didn't have that distinction between them because they're all just you know i am the master you will obey me you know they're all saying things you know the catchphrases whatever and that made it less easy to distinguish people let alone the fact that a lot of the voices did sound similar i thought you know john sim i'm bound to recognize him i watched him in life on mars I see him and talk to him. it's bound to be obvious and i the first time i listened to it i didn't think he was in it at all the first time i listened i was outside uh, doing a bunch of gardening so i had it on on a Bluetooth speaker so I could walk around and do the work and I played all the way through all three episodes all three hours or whatever it is and uh, I don't think it it felt like three hours that time but then I came back and I thought well I didn't take any notes or or really pay that much attention to it so I'm going to listen to it on headphones and I'm going to do it an episode at a time so three episodes within 24 hours and even on headset concentrating trying to take notes it still wasn't that obvious it was John Sim, and the other ones weren't necessarily that much easier to, to distinguish between them. Some more than others. I mean, some of them were a bit more obvious. I mean, the Antony Ainley master to me, the one John Culshaw played, but he wasn't a very, very long. The robot that was imitating him, Chameleon, he had a lot more speaking time than, than his version of Antony Ainley did. But he had quite a distinctive voice, I guess partly because I'd sort of grown up seeing him over, I don't know how many years he was in, but he was over multiple doctors and over multiple years. And he had a bit more of a distinctive voice the American uh, TV movie master he was obviously an American accent so that was another one that was clear but he didn't appear a massive amount there's a bit in the middle where he's paired with one of the other masters that he appeared that he did a lot of talking relatively but the rest of the time he didn't seem to get that many lines in maybe he just merged into the same in as well and obviously Missy was completely obvious because different sex and most recent and, and probably the one who's a featured in most stories if not most episodes because that was the other issue some of these masters I think there were what, five TV masters and three new big finish ones. So I'd never heard any of the big finish ones before. So to me they were all fairly indistinguishable. The young one was more obvious because he did have a younger voice
0: than the others. I think that's the issue with this episode is that it really relies on the fan having either done their homework or having stuck with Big Finish for a while. Because as you say, Doug, even if you've seen the new Who's or the old Who's, you have that image in your mind of what they look like, how they sound, or the mannerisms. And it doesn't really come across as easily in a big ensemble audio. Now, if they kind of entered the room and were described more easily, Crispy Master was quite good because there's, Michelle Gomez Cosmo, you're crispy fair enough but trying to figure that the big finish master is bald now I know that from seeing the promo art but from the audio I wouldn't be able to pick out which master that was if she made a joke and said alright slap head upon entering the room okay that's baldy master cool I can now run with that in my imagination headcanon
2: I looked the artwork after I'd listened to it twice, so that wouldn't have made any difference to me. I thought he was just referring to the fact that the, the original two masters, Ainley and Dolgada, were sort of thinning at the front on Widow's Peak and whatever.
0: But if you had more visual cues in the description in the audio, you might be able to follow the story a bit easier and it does rely on us having done our homework.
1: I guess that was partially my fault because I hadn't thought about that when I had said, oh, this would be an interesting one because I knew the big Finish master. The young master hadn't been done in anything before
0: The story itself probably lends itself more to a more visual medium in that compared to Doctor Strange 2 now or half the content that comes out, everyone's got big mashups of all these actors. So again, as a visual, it's a lot easier to distinguish because, you know, that's that actor, that's this actor. But in an audio, it's not.
1: I guess it was designed for people who were aware of them, though. This isn't a casual release, I guess. That's the thing. This is more...
0: Yeah, it's a love letter.
1: Yeah, it was done for the 50th anniversary of the Master's first appearance.
3: From a confusing point of view, I have to say, having not met almost any of these Masters, I found it best just to let it all wash over me until the glorious Michelle turned up to save me. And and then it all got better from there on in. And I I have to say, probably it it was a one listen this time round. If I listened again, I might have been able to pick up John Sim. But like everyone else, I didn't actually know that he was in it for a while. In fact, at one point, I thought that the doctor was in it because of an impression. I'm like, hang on a minute, I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to be here. Am I listening to the right thing? So yeah, it was confusing, but it didn't actually necessarily ruin anything for me in in any shape or form.
0: That's one of the things I was going to bring up. When we talk about when John Sim turned up, I was specifically looking for him. And when he does turn up, like, oh, there he is. Okay, cool. I have a grounding for who's who. And clearly he is the mad one. And I've always loved John Sim's mastery. He's, he's got that great dynamic of, I'm going to be over the top, campy, and very much mad, but then get the really furious anger at the same time.
3: He's got a good rage,
1: hasn't he? I wondered... When I listened to it, if the reason that they made the decisions they made, such as not to have a version of Delgado in it, because again, they could have had John Culshaw playing Delgado. He does not a bad impression. And not to have Anthony Ainley's master in it very much. I wonder if that's because those masters don't fit with that slightly mad vibe that you get from pretty much all the other masters, except maybe Jeffrey Beaver's master or the war master. The war master is obviously incredibly calculating. And Beaver's Master is It's the one you feel sorry for Out of the whole of the story You start going Oh
0: Oh man I broke my heart man it was, like, In terms of a story beat For a character I had no real Understanding around What a character development Throughout the entire piece it was really really
2: his version of the Master was the end of 13 regenerate or 12 Regenerations, was it, in the 13th? He was the 13th version, and that was it. That was the end, and that's why he was decayed. And then, of course, uh, he finds the body of Kremlis and, and the Keeper of Tracking. And,
1: uh, How lucky to find the, the body of someone whose name is an anagram of Master. <laughs> what a chance of... isn't it, really?
2: I had to choose the only, somebody who looks quite similar to the only other Master we've seen on screen up to that. Point. Yes. But plays rather more camply and uh, rather more twiddling moustache, bad guy.
1: Yes, I've got a bit of a soft spot bit like you, I get. Delgado, I think, is the best master. And then I think you've got, for me, Michelle Gomez, and then you kind of, the others argue a bit dependent. But I do enjoy Anthony Ainley because he was a master that I grew
0: up with. quite liked how they actually worked him into and out of the plot of this whole thing, how Joe got time-pinched instead. I was like, I'm just going to, oh, side Just side-swiped. He's like, no, you go, ha-ha, lol. I think it would
2: have been a much more difficult story, really, with yet another master there for the whole thing. It needed more characters like having Joe there and Chameleon there to cover more than one character. Because as it was, there wasn't that many other characters in the story. There were eight masters, was it, wonder how many masters there were? Plus Joe, Chameleon, and then the various people on the planets that they end up in pairs with. But, you know, there were probably as many masters as there were other characters who already the amount of speaking time in it, and the amount of speaking time they had was an awful lot less than most of the individual
0: masters. I think it would be quite interesting to have been in the writers' room when they're kind of putting together the lineup because you, you kind of have to figure like, again w- with your plot who's going to work together or against which master. So, as you say, we've got Young Master in the same plot as Big Finish Master, and how they no
2: Young Master is Big Finish Master number one.
0: Again, having to see like right who's going to go with which version to push their plot along. And I very much enjoyed, just as a little a little headcanon, the fact that you've got Jacoby and Sim in the same little timeline, because one is literally the next one in line.
1: And they, they couldn't have two different temperaments. The, the War Master is very considered. He's got a lot more in common with the Doctor in some ways, and Sim is just that unhinged.
0: One quick shout-out just right now before it's popped into my head. Missy, incredible pop. That's uh, Jacobi's master, called Gandalf's boyfriend.
1: Yes.
3: I... Mm. Yeah, that was good.
1: I mentioned this to Joe when we spoke briefly about it. It's a great moment of breaking the fourth wall.
0: Yeah. all oh, my days. Because yeah. for, for those, if, I, suppose, I suppose, for context, there was the TV show Vicious with Ian McKell and Jack Jacobi playing a gay couple of X amount of years. And I really enjoyed that show whenever I remember to actually go and watch it.
1: Yeah, it was a great... I mean, I think that's one thing. There were some incredibly nicely written and funny moments all the way through it. Michelle Gomez had a lot of the best lines, it has to be said, you know. Michelle Gomez coming in and doing Schemi, 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 and Crispy, you know.
3: And there was a Don't Tell Him Pike moment as well.
1: Yes. Yeah, it does,
2: yeah.
1: When Missy did her spell when she first came in, and she did her weird spell. One of the things she said was Jonathan Dorney. And John Dorney is one of the writers for Big Finish. An extremely good writer. In fact, it's probably my favourite.
0: Easter egg.
3: Good pick up there.
0: Although the, the, one, I, the one I really enjoyed as well was the, the pop of Captain Picard. So does that mean Star Trek is a thing in Doctor Who canon? I'd imagine it must be. Minds are blown. Quick question, actually. When did this come out out of curiosity?
2: 2021.
0: Because okay, that, that's cool. Because I really enjoy again talking about little bits. Is when John Sims Master is talking about what happened to the doctor. He refers to the doctor as her. Yes. Which would which is, again which is a thing I want to see. I want to hear about. I want to see Judy Whitaker going with John Sims Master in some way sense. Because that would be just ace.
2: It was released on the second of January, 2021, which was exactly 50 years from the date of the first episode of Terror of the Ottomans, which was the 2nd of January 1971, which was the first episode that the Delgado Master and Joe Grant appeared. first story of the second series, John Pettler.
1: I just loved it when Missy came in. I think, for me, Missy was the one that kind of held it all together.
2: Yeah, I think without Missy, I wouldn't have stuck it to the end. I don't think I could have started setting out the second time. There's no way I could have stuck it to the end. But even by the end of that, I was a, a bit missy out, I think, because there was quite a lot of Missy in it. Fine in small doses, but not three hours and <laughs> Oh, I'm
3: quite I'm quite happy with the three hours, thank you. <laughs> she could just read me books.
2: She certainly made the uh, proceedings more entertaining.
0: I like the the buddy cop of Joe and Missy. It's just always it was just quite a lot of fun to see her react. just what Missy's reactions were always to Joe of the annoying little pet dog, which I kind of actually like. Do you think that she actually did like Joe then? What did be her friend? Merker in the end, so maybe not so much.
2: Well, yeah
1: has a reputation, too.
0: I'm, I'm, going to put this, I'm going to put this out there just now, just while I have it in my head. I wasn't a fan of Joe in this. Why is that, then? It's just almost like a kid's TV show explaining little things, and just generally... That's what The
2: Companion's all about. I know, but... You've missed the whole point of Doctor Who for 50-odd years. <laughs> Always 60 years.
0: But it was too... It was too much. I found it as too, too naive. Too, they're, they're, they're running away from the vampire waters blob thing and she's giggling away to herself and like nah I don't know I just
3: didn't find it authentic it just wasn't
2: yeah
0: and the, how much she was gooing over the doctor
2: she loves her doctor
0: I know but I just
2: she loves the John Pertwee doctor
0: I just felt it was really childish to the point of it brought me out of it to be honest it brought me out of it
2: see I'm the opposite I, I grew up with Joe Grant and Joe Grant was the first assistant I remember and in this, I thought Joe was not the early Joe. She was a later Joe because she was quite, quite forward and, and solving problems and, and standing up to the master and you know standing up for herself against the master and against the comments and you know finding things like his uh, ego he needed to have boosted by the, the black library full of books that the people had made for him and all this sort of thing. I thought she did really, really well. You, you've not seen much of Joe on the telly, then? Have you? I haven't. No. No, well, there you go.
0: But the CBBC Matt Smith episode of Sarah Jane—that's all I've seen of Joe.
2: Oh, uh, okay, yeah. So that's that's a much older Joe, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think I think Joe Grant is a, an overtime companion. I, I really like her a little bit, like you. I kind of I didn't quite grow up with her because I'm obviously not as old as Doug, but I do I do love that era. I think that's that's one of my favourite eras, and she is such an integral part of that era. And a lot of people say that. Sarah Jane is the kind of ultimate companion for that era I think you could put a good case that it's uh,
2: Joe Grant yeah I think those are the two my favourite and I would say the best companions of the whole of the original yeah no I, yeah, I, I think you know you'd hate Joe Grant if you watched on telly then in the 70s <laughs> she's obviously not that age now and her voice is a bit different when you listen to it more closely but I thought she did sound very much like Joe did back in uh, been 71 to 74 I think she did She was cut the character
1: When you think That's 50 years ago She's doing She's doing alright To still be able To pull off that character After 50 years
2: Exactly And and as I say you know, She, she did Because when she joined She was just out of Spy school I think When she appeared To to the Doctor For the first time So she you know, We'd have only been Very early 20s I would have thought and, you know, An age of a character So quite young and immature, so how long in length of her lifetime she spent with the Doctor, it was never really explained, I guess, but yeah, she's still the mid-twenties, I guess, by the end of her time. But
1: Joe, just out of interest, then that's a story that was very male-focused, I guess, with the number of Masters. How did you get on with it? Did you feel that they needed more females in it to balance it?
3: I think that's a tricky question for someone whose favourite films are Hornblower which I think have a grand total of three women in the entire thing no I don't I don't think that was necessarily a problem I think re- if we're, I was able to d- tell the difference between all the different voices I wouldn't have found it a problem at all it was handy having women in it because you could immediately tell they were different which which was a good start but no I didn't feel that I think it's the the story was told well enough without putting in extra people for the sake of it. Well, they're all yeah they're they're all absolutely bonkers, and just as a bonkers romp really through various masters and their weird attempts at various things, including redemption, which was kind of odd. I guess eventually some of them started thinking about maybe. They wanted to do something slightly differently, and then, for in some cases, not getting to. So, yeah, I was quite happy to to join the the trip. Like Chris, I think the crispy, crispy master. Um, uh, his story was really quite. It was so sad, and it was like, no, don't do that. Don't. That's not good. Look, he deserves a better time. He's got his garden now. Leave him alone. He's got his beans.
2: He's got his beans. Happy growing his beans and fishing his, in this fishless lake.
3: Did you look
1: at the writers who wrote the story? Because
2: Jeffrey Beavers was one of the writers, and I
1: wondered if he wrote that bit for his own master, which I think would have be been lovely if he did.
0: Oh, maybe. He's a tragic character, I guess, but just clarted in so much madness and mania and death, destruction and his own narcissism and ego. That it's ultimately a character just wants to either find acceptance somewhere, find his own slice of the universe. Just happens to be the entire universe is his slice.
1: I mean, there's a school of thought that everything the Master does is to impress the Doctor. Even going back to the Third Doctor, I'm sure Doug will remember that that there was a really there was a camaraderie between the Master and the Doctor. The Doctor would go and visit him and bring him books
2: and oh, and the Sea Devils, yeah.
1: So he wanted to stop him, but he was aware of the fact that they were both kind of renegades off of their own species and they had a lot in common.
2: Yeah, a lot in common and a lot not in common, I guess. I mean, I think one of the differences with New Who and Old Who, I think the madness thing from the Master is a New Who thing. Yeah. You could argue maybe that Anthony Ailey was a little bit mad as well, but none of the Masters have gone anything like back to what the Dogado was. They just get madder and crazier.
0: They bring that up up in the story, don't they? At least I think Missy brings it up, the fact that this is what the, the oh, was it, great line, it's the finalisation of madness. You finally just shed all the sanity to become super insane and just to watch the world burn to see what happens afterwards, to see what she's capable of.
3: Are the masters, all the different actor masters, playing their own masters so they are regenerating rather than two actors playing the same master? As in like when we see a new doctor, we they have regenerated because it's a new actor. Is that the same for the masters? Are we to assume that they're different?
2: So I think I, I think the crispy master was played by Peter Pratt and Jeffrey Beavers for mm. whatever reason they won if the original one wasn't available or whatever. But that's the only time I think that the same version of the master's been played by two different people. But they were under a, a sort of an ugly mask, if you like, a crispy, <laughs> the crispy,
3: crispy mask. Check,
2: crispy hood. So, you know, it could have been like Davros being played by multiple different actors over the years. So it's still Davros, but it's, it's yeah. mass never exactly the same. But
0: I, like, I love that about Doctrine is that Davros is still the same. It's still the same wheelchair the entire time. I mean, it's a clever thing. I love it. I do
1: like
2: Davros. It's an iconic costume, isn't it?
1: Oh, the one master
0: we haven't mentioned
1: is Mark Gatiss.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. He was recognisable. I wasn't sure what was going on with his story.
1: He is the master from... Back in the early 2000s, Big Finish did a thing called Unbound. They were given the rights to do it. They wouldn't be allowed to do it now, I don't think. And that was, they were given the option to recast the Doctor for one-off stories. So it was like an alternative universe Doctor. They, They had some really good actors coming in and playing. In fact, Jacoby plays him, I think, in the story. And they had... I had a really good story, which is one of my favourites of that kind of early era Big Finish, where they have what would happen if the third Doctor hadn't come back to Earth when he did. And what happens is the third Doctor comes back as a totally different actor in, I think it's when Hong Kong's getting handed back to the Brits. And it's played by David Warner, who is obviously a great, great British actor. Been in everything, including Doctor Who. And he ends up in a bar that is run by the Brigadier, which is played by um, Nicholas, Nicholas Courtney. And it's an alternative third doctor. And the reason that he's in the bar is because he messed up all the big decisions in Unit because he didn't have the doctor to advise him.
0: Oh, so God. He ended up getting- Disgrace General.
1: Kicked out of Unit. And the master in that is played by Mark Gatiss. Uh, on a side note, there's a really, really fun unit officer called Colonel Brimacombe Wood, who is really shouty and proper military, who's played by David Tennant, and he's absolutely brilliant in it. So it's a really good big finish. But that's where the Mark Gatiss master comes from. He's an alternative universe master.
0: So how does he fit in the story?
1: I think it's that the wave that is destroying the world that they're in
0: yeah, is, okay,
1: is affecting the world that he's in. So he's come across to try
0: and stop it, Where do we think this sits canonically, or is it sitting outside in its own... Absolutely nowhere. Yeah, okay, good.
3: There's a a TARDIS fandom Masterful audio story page, which I find has been helpful, and there's a continuity bit where they sort of look like they're starting to place it somewhere, but having not seen quite a lot of it, it makes no sense to me. Well,
1: I suppose that's the thing, it's going to be a different point in each of the Masters' existence, isn't it? So...
3: Well,
2: yeah, you say that, but we have to talk about the end of it, which is everything's gone. Masters, universe, and everything. So there can't be a future for the Masters if they're all being killed, surely. It's a conundrum, isn't it?
0: Well, I think that that, that is what happens, is that the big empathy, empathy wave... Entropy wave. Entropy wave, that's the word, is the Master himself in his final form, the most animated thing in existence, and they wipe each other out and then think the entire canon is... Null and Void.
1: I think it effectively resets itself because I think it puts them back to the beginning and I'm guessing somewhere along the line they're just assuming that the Master doesn't make the same ridiculous mistake, which is a big assumption.
0: I was kind of hoping for the the final Master, but before you realise that the entropy wave is actually the Master as well, is is actually Crispy Master, is behind the deaths of everyone else the entire time. And it's basically his, it's his revenge on himself for not getting his own redemption, which I thought would have been a fantastic way to finish it. And a very cathartic finish to then go off and he regenerates. And, you know, the canon that we know is... The, From that is point forward. Happened. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I like that idea. I think, yeah, I think it, the ending didn't make a huge amount of sense to me. I went with it a bit like a lot of the story. I went with it because I thought it was nice storytelling rather than. I'm not massively into everything having to make sense canon wise. I mean, I don't think you can be and be a Doctor Who fan. I think otherwise you're just going to upset yourself.
2: I don't think you can with all these extra stories. I mean, even it's bad enough just with the television version. (laughs) Never mind any big finishes on top of that and any other ones like that.
1: At least sometimes Big Finish tries to fix the major mistakes of the television one, like Atlantis three times sunk three times you know i think there's a lot of stuff like that all the way through the whole sort of canon but yeah i don't think you can afford to get too tied into canon and and i think this is definitely a story where you just enjoy it you're along for the ride i think joe's right you're along for the ride on
0: this one yeah definitely i would agree with that i think you just have to read for this one
3: yeah i just i wonder like obviously sasha Duan's master isn't in this because he wasn't around (laughs) at the time but that's a, a next level of even more mental at this point as well and I kind of I think I'm kind of glad that <laughs> much as and I absolutely love his master also but I think that might have been a master too many <laughs> just like can hold a bus I don't think I can deal with any more yeah. of them
0: too many narcissist narcissists in this room
3: yeah it's too crazy but then you know if Missy's having these moments of pause and looking at a different way or trying out something that doesn't really fit with the next one if i if indeed he comes after missy which is i think still potentially under debate i think
1: that the lumiat who appears briefly i think there's a a rumor that there's a thought of that's another incarnation of the master that comes between missy and Um. And I've only just remembered that as we're speaking, but I'm sure I remembered something about that because she sort of turns up, chats to them for a bit, and then and then buggers off. And I, I do think that this story is really reliant on you listening to a lot of Big Finish to understand who these people are because some of them have only been in a few stories.
3: Yeah, I think if you were if you were a Who fan from from new Who watched the watched the TV, really loved Missy, and thought, "Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to this," <laughs> I think you I think you'd have problems, to be honest.
0: Well, I was going to ask you that, Stuart. The Lumia. Explain, because uh, it was it, it it took me by surprise, and also led, led in with the great great line from Michelle Gomez of Oh, here's a Gratuitous Cameo. Like,
1: yes, I did enjoy <laughs> the fourth wall breaking. The-
3: oh, it was it was Gina McKee, wasn't it? It so, was. Yeah. And and I'm only saying that because I linked it up. I would not have known. So she- that is that is quite a good cameo to have, I think. Was she in the Hornblower or anything? She wasn't in Hornblower. I have I've been down a complete hornblower rabbit hole looking at the connections between the set designers of Hornblower and set designers of Doctor Who and there is some correlation.
0: Oh my god.
3: I'm building my my web, my hornblower web. So the Lumia
1: appears in It is me reading this very much off the start of wiki. It appears in I think the second series of the Missy stories. And she is someone. she's someone who appears and knows an awful lot more about Missy than she should. And she says that she is a future nice incarnation of Missy, the equivalent of the Valyard to the Master. So in Doctor Who, the Valyard is the incarnation of the Doctor that goes wrong, and is evil, and puts him on trial. And this is the exact.
0: Yeah, I got the the impression that it was uh, maybe a longer canon thing with the Lumia. No, it's quite recent then.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's quite it's quite a new one. It also played it back then by Gina McKee. So.
0: Cool. See, I, I like stuff like that because again, it, it's potentially I I've go back going back to canon, canon building and canon destroying, which is both great. And because again, with characters like the Valyard, I remember for during Matt on the lead up to Matt Smith's regeneration, everyone's kicking off like, oh, the Valyard has to come in, it has to come into play some which way, but. As you said before, Canon can be loose and he doesn't have to.
1: Mm-hmm. I quite like that. Did you miss the Doctor in this story?
0: Nope.
3: No?
2: He did miss the Doctor because he was in it.
3: it's like, do you miss the Doctor? And I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to check because I'm pretty sure he was in it a minute ago. Oh, no. Technically,
1: it's Chameleon doing an impression of the Doctor.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I
0: think I'm still safe. Uh, I, I liked uh, the fact that it was, well, it was called Doctor Light. In that it gives this, the stage to everyone else to kind of have the spotlight. I think some of the best stories are sometimes Doctor Less ones, like Blink, for example. I think if it'd been a case of the Doctor does turn up in Masterful, it would almost detract from the point of the show, the point of the episode, and probably ex machina the whole thing. Oh, Doctor's here, sort it out. Hey, carry on.
1: Suppose if the Doctor was in it, you'd know how it was going to end. Yeah, you'd know the Doctor was going to save the day, I guess. You didn't know how it was going to end, and I've listened to it twice now, and I'm still not 100% sure I still know how it ends.
3: (laughs) It's still going on. Well, I've been listening to the Dalek Empire Big Finish, and I got several in before I realised the Doctor hadn't been in it at all and wouldn't be, and and I didn't know. I could just carry on listening, and it really was, uh, it was just really good storytelling and I didn't miss the Doctor, but I enjoyed being in the universe of the Doctor, if you know what I mean. So we've got all the, we've got the Daleks there and all the different planets, but no Doctor. But you weren't missing the Doctor, they weren't waiting for the Doctor, it was just other stuff that was going on at the time. And actually I really did enjoy that, and given that I quite enjoy watching Doctor Who because the Doctor is in it, I found that quite interesting that I could I could leave the Doctor behind, sort of play, play with the other characters for a bit, so it was good.
2: The question about, did you miss the Doctor? Well, right at the start, they say the Doctor's dead fairly much in the first I don't know, five minutes of the plot. So you think, well, that's it. We're not going to have the Doctor. So you, you <laughs> kind of set yourself up to not having the Doctor. So, uh, and I, as I say, I've not looked at the pictures on the front, well, of the, uh, the cover of it. So I didn't know who to expect Masterwise when I listened to it. So I listened to it completely blank or completely without any background to it. So it was a nice surprise when first Joe Grant popped up in place of the master, and then his master having stepped out of the way, she fell through the portal or the the what they call it, the thing that was in the time skip. So it was a real surprise then for the, the a version of the Pertwee doctor, uh, of Chameleon, to appear as well. And it was good to have that. It's a different voice and a quite a recognisable voice if you've ever heard Pertwee. Even if you've not heard Pertwee, you knew he wasn't another version of the master because he just got such a different different voice. So it certainly helped the that first. I think at the, end of the first half of the sec- first episode and the very start of the second episode, it did help break up all just the, the very similar sounding masters. You know, yeah, yeah, as you say, it probably wouldn't have worked if the doctor had been in it properly, because you would have thought that he was saved today as, as per usual. But but yeah, it was, it was a nice, well, especially for me, uh, liking the Perpy Doctor, it was one of the best.
1: It was an interesting story taken to an interesting place. It felt quite long. It was quite long, but it was made up of other sort of smaller stories, I guess.
0: It's always one-upsmanship against himself to outdo himself at every, or I should say themselves, at every turn.
1: Kind of usually one-upping the Doctor, but on this occasion, they've killed the Doctor, so they need to do something.
0: Isn't that what uh, what Missy and John Sim do in the last episode of Capali's run, is that they very much address the fact that, I've shot you with a gun that you can't regenerate and I've just stabbed you in the back. Isn't that just how it's always going to end for us? We're always going to have to kill ourselves.
2: Yeah, I think it's it, it's very difficult. I, I, the one I thought was most like the television master, because that's the only experience I've had, was probably Missy. Because, well, A, a I've seen her most because she's done the most episodes. I think John similarly did three stories back to back. Missy was in some of it. Twelve stories, I think, over. I think it was two or three years, wasn't it? So it's been a lot of stories over a longer period of time. So thinking back to the Johnson Master, I I saw. I've only ever watched most of these when they were broadcast. So some of the, I mean, the most recent Master stories that Missy was in, probably what five, six, seven years ago, maybe now. I can't remember how long ago it was since she was last in it. But I'm remembering at least five years ago for any of them. So. The Ainley Ma- uh, Master. I've not watched on DVD very many, if any, stories. So I'm thinking back to the telly. He sounded, you know, pretty, pretty much like like the Ainley Master. And but he wasn't in a lot, so I thought it was hard to say how similar he was to his, his old character. Voice wise, he was. Eh? I don't think you got enough of him to make that kind of call. Yeah, that's what I thought. So so John Sim one. He was so hard to tell it was John Sim. I couldn't even think what his character was like. I I remember liking the story, but I don't really remember him, his master as such. The uh, Jacobi was in one episode, which then I think it was a cliffhanger or very towards the end, he regenerated into the John Sim Master and then John Sim was in the next two episodes. So John Sim Master was only really in two episodes and the Jacobi one and one, and I can't remember the Jacobi one.
0: John Sim's a total of six episodes. The three episodes, Part three, part finale for season three. Two episodes, at the end of time, and the spring came back for the Capaldi finale. Seven episodes.
2: Yeah, I would say from my perspective, it was it was Missy, just purely because it's the one that I remembered the best, and it was the the one liners and everything that I remember about her Master being the thing that kept me interested.
0: Well, I got I got to say I I loved and really enjoy John Sims Master, and I've said uh, said this already in that he was kind of my first master because he's the one I you know, saw in the new who. And I, I always feel with certain with to create a really good baddie, an endearing baddie with all the good lines or the best lines, you always want to put just enough that you want more and I always want more John Sim as the master because he's his, the way he delivers his lines, the way he flips from childlike mania to furious rage. It's, in, it's incredible as, an, as him as an actor he's just really 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 good but him as the master is just I, I, I love it to pieces and again when he when he plays off against other people it's just as delicious because he comes up with little quips little digs and I really enjoyed him and Jacoby being in the car just little digs here and there the, uh, himself but in terms of like, who, who he felt like the most masterish. yeah I probably could agree with Doug and say Missy was the most masterish. Though I want, though I want to know, is how much of her lines were ad libbed.
1: I'd imagine very, very few of them. I think she's just really good at making it feel like.
3: Yeah, I don't think she's actually that evil, which is disappointing. But never mind. Uh, no, she's she's my master for sure. That's all I can say. Because she's got, an... and uh, obviously this is audio, so it's, I, I'm imagining this in my head. But because of the. The way she can raise an eyebrow and just like a, a number of people will just explode. It's it's just uh, she has a kind of air of power you know, uh, and she's she's naughty, but she's also got what appears to be no feelings whatsoever for the most part. And she might have a little bit. So, you know, she might... Feel a little bit for her pet, but she isn't going to worry too much if the pet falls off a big cliff or a wave eats them, and just moves on with her life. Yeah. So, like, I quite like that. Uh, there's no, there's no guilt there for the most part. I know we're kind of she's exploring some of the maybe if I'd made better life choices, etc. But for the most part, our character just doesn't seem to have any guilt about anything and just goes on and just sees what will happen. I don't know. I really enjoy that because probably because I don't get to do that very much myself. So I live vicariously.
1: I'm going to break with that there you because know, I thought the best master in that was Jacoby because he was genuinely quite chilling because he had it all thought out. And he was the one, actually I thought the the big finish master had a little bit of that as well. Who would do whatever it took, but I thought Jacoby just, because obviously he had the final ending. He had it all sussed out exactly what was going to happen. And he was just like, this is what I'm doing. doesn't matter if it's horrendous. I'm going to do it. And that kind of, for me, there's a series of War Master audios that I've heard. And he, I, so I've maybe got more experience of that Master. But he does that really interesting thing, which is he they, they've run a, a series about him and it's quite difficult to enjoy a series where you know that the protagonist is downright evil and people are going to die as a result of what they do. So it's got to be a lot of charm and a lot of. I mean, to be fair, they do it with Missy as well. You know, you've got to have a lot of charm and you've got to just enjoy the story because if the story, if you dig too deep into them, you're going to start to go, wait a minute, I really shouldn't be supporting this person.
0: Isn't that why you love characters like the Joker? Everyone gets so sucked into these grandiose personalities, but then you realize that, oh, yeah, they're actually. A total psychopath.
1: Yes, you forget that they're murderers because you're enjoying the story. You're along for the ride. And I think that Jacoby is just quite sinister because he's just a great actor. But, you know, I did, like we mentioned before, I loved lines like the whole Gandalf's husband line. And I loved there were just a couple of little things that he said and a couple of things that were said to him. Just it was very nicely written. It felt like it was a really well written piece. It didn't surprise me to see that four people wrote it because I could totally believe though that there were four dif- distinct parts to that story. So I suppose we'll just kind of almost finish off with what's your favourite Master episode from the whole of Doctor Who?
0: I' gonna go, oh kind of double ba- double barrel it? because it's a two part finale.
1: If it's a two parter, I think that's probably. Allowed.
0: Cool. It's, it's got to be Peter Capaldi's last series finale. I forget the names. I, oh God, I forgot the names. You didn't like it but, that much. I loved it. I loved it. Because you got Missy and you got Johnson. And i just say, hey, they're my two favourite masters. Because Johnson is a lunatic child with anger issues. And Missy's Missy. And there's, there's that, that scene on the rooftop at the start of the second episode where they're just kind of dancing away and just kind of, ooh, messing with the doctor, ooh. And then you get further down the episode, and they murk each other, which is the most beautiful thing. Of course, he's going to kill himself. He's a raving narcissistic ego, egocentric narcissist.
1: I mean, the minute she kills him, he's she's going to die anyway. So
0: yeah, well, she stabs him, and I then he she stabs. So yeah, not quite the same. And then he's like, actually, lol, I'm going to shoot you, and oh, you can't regenerate. So huh, looks like we've just this is always going to be the way.
2: I
1: yeah. mean,
0: I think it's a, a, a great climax to the character you know not to say anything about uh, anything's wrong with sasha i think that he's going to go in whatever direction he's going to go in and it's going to be amazing i hope he sticks around longer than just linked to jody's doctor
1: i mean we know we know that it's going to be a big finish series of them so you know yeah. if nothing else we'll hopefully get him although i don't know how they can do it it's him meeting other doctors because that way the doctor should recognize him
0: mind wipe timey-wimey. Yeah, I mean,
1: this stuff does happened all the time. River Song has met pretty much every Doctor, despite the fact the Doctor didn't recognise her. So,
0: yeah, so that, that's mine. It is, because I think this that's also links back to our first episode, Spare Parts, in that it is a fantastic Cyberman episode with a fantastic Master episode as well. And as an episode in itself, I think it's, it's probably up there in my top five favourite episodes of all time, for who? Most because of the Master.
3: Mine would be, I think, well, all, all of them with Missy, obviously, but I think that The Magician's Apprentice is the one I, I remember most, mostly the, I think it's the obsession or something, there's just something that I can't put words to it, where Missy stops all the planes in the sky, not to, you know, you, she could have phoned or texted she could have taken a little ad out like she did in a previous one but no, she stopped all of the planes in the sky just to get Clara's attention and she knew that would happen and Clara would get that message and understand that that was a message and all of the scene where, and I can't even remember where they are but a quiet piazza somewhere and she's just sat there and they're, all of these weapons are all pointed at her and she does not care and it's it's just it's just delicious so yeah that's
1: my my favorite i haven't watched that since it was on tv but it's making me want to watch
3: it. you want to watch
2: it it's so
0: good so good
2: well i'm gonna have to go right back to the early experience of the master and uh, it's gonna have to be roger Delgado. He is the master to me even after all these other good masters that have come in more recent years uh, i'm not sure about a particular episode i would probably Probably his first one, Terror of the Ottomans or the Sea Devils. The Sea Devils, you get a bit more, well, it's different interaction because he's in a prison cell until he until he gets out. So, and it's the episode where he watches the clangers. So, you can see maybe that the master has got a history of sort of pop culture, as we were talking about the references. So, he would have seen Dad's army when he was stuck in that prison cell because that was the same era. So, he picked up the, the pike reference and all this sort of thing.
1: If I had to choose my least favourite, it would be easier in some ways than changing my most favourite. My least favourite, and Chris is going to hate it, I don't like John Sim particularly as the Master, because he's too mad, and I don't think the Master should be mad, because I think if the Master's that mad, they're not effective. Whereas Missy is mad, but she feels like she's got control of it.
0: Isn't that what's good about this episode? Is that since John Sim's the one who brought them all, well, in quote marks, brought them all together, to gloat about how much he's won. But in fact, he's just gone and buggered absolutely everything up.
1: That's one of the better things about this. I think it's absolutely spot on. that If there was a master who was going to destroy things to such a degree, it's either going to be, in my mind, Ainley or Finn.
0: So how badly can you cock this up? Pretty much universally.
1: (laughs) I get to destroy time. Yeah, fair enough. But I would be like you, Doug. I would go Delgado and I would go
2: for the Demons demons i forgot about the demons yeah that yeah that probably is the best of his stories actually yeah
1: just because he plays a minister which is a little bit ridiculous
2: magister yeah
1: yeah so yeah just a bit of a roundup i guess now and people just saying what they liked about it maybe what they didn't like quite so much but i think we all on the whole quite enjoyed it and enjoyed it as a bit of a romp so just yeah what was everyone's final thoughts
0: i love John C. I really liked the interplay between all the masters, the quipping, the kind of the digs, and just the fact that it kind of proves the point that from Doctor Who is that he, his regenerations don't get on with themselves. So, why shouldn't the master not get on with himself as well? It's kind of indicative of all time lords just, just don't get on with themselves.
1: Would you get on with yourself from 20 years ago? Or would you think you were a little shit?
0: Oh, I'd, be a, I'd slap the piss out of myself. Isn't that what this episode is? A massive like, slap to yourself. Oh, don't be a dick. Oh, wait, it's part of our genetic makeup to be a dick. So I'm going to end the entire universe and kill myself several times over and take a lot of innocent people along the way.
2: If you've already killed your arch nemesis, the doctor, then what else is it for you to do in life? You've achieved your goal. Yeah.
1: Exactly. I think that's right. I think that when the Master has killed the Doctor, and as we've said, a lot of what the Master does is about impressing the Doctor. He must have sit they're going, right, okay, what next? Yeah, no idea.
0: Yeah, I've really enjoyed this show, really enjoyed this story. had some great highs, some bombastic highs, my favourite word, and some really great emotional character development that I did not expect. I did not expect to, to love Crispy Master as much mm-hmm. as I did. I really fell for him. I really did.
1: He was just trying to be nice and have a nice, quiet life, which is what Missy wanted for him. I mean, did Missy set him up for a fall, or did she yeah. just really hope that he'd be able to have a nice life?
0: You, you just don't know. But that's the thing. I, that's why I kind of thought, as I said earlier, why I thought it'd be a really nice finale, a nice revenge on yourself, that it was actually him all along because he got screwed out of a re- happy retirement.
1: That would make sense. I'd have quite like that. Now you've, now you've said that as an ending, I think that would have worked. Doug?
2: Yeah, I, what I really liked about it, I don't know, I, there was a lot I didn't like about it. And the, I certainly found it, of the ones we've listened to to talk about, the hardest one to get to the end of the second time to take notes and stuff. But I, I, yeah, I think it was good that Crispy Masters and on, had a, a completely different type of story to the rest of them. He wasn't trying to outdo each other. He was just he found some happiness in his life, which, you know, probably was the first time ever since, well, since whenever, maybe forever. And, I mean, it was explored quite a bit, but, you know, it was taken away from, like, everything was taken away from all of them. So so that that, that was nice. It was just a shame that all the rest of them didn't really change their character or, or really learn anything from it. It, just, it was just, yeah, I think if they'd all found something, you know, not necessarily a good thing, but it, I think it would have been a bit bit more interesting, really. I mean, there were good bits to it. Certainly the Missy stuff was good and the Joe and the third Doctor turning up unexpectedly was good as well. But uh, yeah, it was just too many masters being quite similar and, and likewise not learning, which I guess was you know why they all ended up at the end all ending their existence with the entry wave.
3: Obviously, I, I like the Missy bits the best. I think... I agree with everyone else. So the this Crispy Doctor storyline or part of this was probably the the one that made most sense. It had, a, had an arc to it, unfortunately, rather than just a happy ending, which we were hoping for. The fact we were hoping for a happy ending for this guy who has been really quite horrible was was good enough, I guess. I did wonder whether eventually he would get bored because I think there is an attention span to the Masters, but he clearly wasn't bored at that point, and I think he might have liked a bit some more of that, and just spend more time with Kitty and not take off his, what, what did he call it, the the perception filter, which was, was keeping him going. I mean, he could have given her a run up, Let's let's see, you didn't have to just wander off without the brassette from Filter On and just give her a wee surprise there. Probably a good idea to me. Maybe... That was
0: such a cruel scene. That was such a cruel scene.
3: It was so horrible. And like why, why would you do that to yourself? It's just, I know, it's just ridiculous. I did like how Joe was following along with say, trying to challenge her and getting somewhere, I think, before being summarily dispatched. <laughs>
2: You think she was getting too close to the truth of Missy, and that's why Missy was quite happy to yeah. let her get swallowed up and not help her, give her a hand or whatever.
3: Enough of that, uh, young lady. So, yeah, I think that, that was okay. Would I, would I go and listen again? I don't know if I would, actually. I don't know if I would revisit that as readily as perhaps some of the other ones I've been listening to.
1: I Yeah, I'm sort of similar. I, that's the second time I'd listened to it. I listened to it when it came out. I listen to it now. I had forgotten how similar all the voices sounded, but once I got past that, and again, I think I had an advantage on on you guys having listened to a lot more Big Finish. I really liked it. I thought there was a lot to like it. I think it sometimes felt like just a series of quips put together to make to make a story. And I actually was quite happy with that. That worked all right for me, but I can see that that would be a bit frustrating for 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 some people. But I would listen to it again, but not for a couple of years. A couple of years, I think I'd be ready. I'd have forgotten the bits I really liked about it, and I uh, would give it another go. But I, yeah, I think it's, it's an interesting one. And I think it's a good one for us to have done because it was a different sort of take on 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 Doctor Who. It was the first one we've done that didn't have a Doctor. It was a lot more up-to-date and modern than the other ones we've done, which have all been sort of 10, 15 years old. And I think that had that meant that it was good and bad to it. But I definitely recommend, if you can, go and give it a listen. So buy it from Big Finish. If you enjoy The Master, you will get something out of it. The deluxe version has got a lot of extra stuff on it, so it's definitely worth considering that as well. And now I guess it's time to come up with the one we're going to be doing next time. So it's Chris's turn this time to come up with one. And I have not convinced Chris what to say this time.
0: So for my choice, I have chosen Jubilee, which is Colin Baker. And mostly because it is also linked to Dalek, which is Christopher Eccleston's sixth episode, because Jubilee forms the basis of uh, Chris Eccleston's story. And I think that'd be quite a fascinating listen.
1: It's it is, quite different. Both written, obviously, by Rob Shearman. It's regarded, again, it's one of those ones that's regarded as a bit of an early classic of Big Finish. So I will be interested to see what you think. It's been quite a long time since I've listened. And it'll be an interesting one because I don't think you're that familiar with Colin Baker so that'll be that'll be fun as well so here's a trailer
2: Doctor Who Jubilee you must get some rest
3: Miriam it's a long day tomorrow yes a long glorious day a long glorious exciting wonderful marvellous
2: Miriam that is enough Doctor I can't believe you just said that oh did I put my foot in it again What's that?
1: We can play with you gently, or play with you until you break.
2: You have no right to pride. Well, the TARDIS doesn't seem to agree with you. She's trying to move again. What's wrong? Well, she can't. For some reason, she's stuck here. Stay where you are, Eblin's my
1: Like it or not, you will be
2: my ally. Doctor? The doors. They can't decide whether to stay open or closed. Get out, Evelyn!
1: Good friends, you and I.
2: You are my
1: prisoner! Sleep tight. Mm.
2: <clears throat> Take care of the Daleks, don't bite. <laughs> 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 so
1: thanks for that, Chris. Well, we'll have a listen to that and we will uh, meet again soon. So if you've enjoyed this podcast, then please hit subscribe. If you've enjoyed this and you haven't listened to some of our previous podcasts, definitely give them a listen. So, we'll see you later. Bye! Till next time, Doctor! See you around. Just wanted to put a little extra bit on here because we record these weeks and weeks in advance, and when we recorded this last one, one of the people we talked about was the great David Warner, and since we recorded this episode, uh, very sadly, David Warner has passed away. So we just kind of wanted to acknowledge how great we thought he was, how much We loved him as the Unbound Doctor and some of his great roles in Big Finish. So we just wanted to say that we were thinking of him and his friends and family at this time. And also the same week we lost the great Bernard Cribbins, who for anyone of a certain age Bernard would be known as the voice of the Wombles, voice of Jack Ori. and then for people of a slightly older vintage, he might be Tom Campbell from Doctor Who, Dalek Invasion of Earth. And for anyone who's a bit younger, he might be Wilf. So uh, he's a man who has crossed the timeline, so to speak. So also, we were very sad to lose him. Um, And he's also been in big finish as well. And just wanted to say, so kind of just to say, we were thinking of both David Warner and Bernard Cribbins, and very saddened by their loss. Thank you.